it's that desire to, to get a bit better and to create a more epic picture or something that I want to put on the wall. But of course, as soon as you do that, you want to get better than that, don't you? Welcome to the Photo Mentors podcast. Each week we speak to a photographer or filmmaker and find out the experiences and advice that make them who they are today. We do this by asking 10 key questions, the same questions to each guest so that we can find out common themes and compare and contrast how different photographers and filmmakers go about their craft. That voice you just heard is photographer Angela Nicholson, who I'm going to speak to in this episode. Angela describes herself as a photographer, journalist, and a reviewer of cameras and photographic equipment, but to me, that only really scratches the surface of what she does. A few years back, along with a small group of other photographers, she started Camera Jabber, which is a reviews, news, and technique website. But she also founded SheClicks, which is an online community for female photographers, and at the time of recording, it has almost 9,000 members. Previously, Angela has been technical editor at Amateur Photographer magazine and has also been head of testing for future publishing, working across magazine titles such as, gonna take a deep breath for this, Digital Camera, Professional Photography, N-Photo, Photo Plus, Photography Week and Practical Photography, as well as the Digital Camera World and Tech Radar websites. As usual, I will leave all of Angela's social media links in the episode notes, as well as details on how you can find the She Clicks Facebook group. Okay, so Angela, let's do some quick questions first, just to find out a little bit more about you. What was your first camera? Well, this will make you laugh because um, it sounds quite dated. It was a Kodak Brownie. Wow. (laughs) I'm not that old, honestly, but (laughs) I bought it for 15p when I was about nine I think at a school fete and I remember I went to Boots with my dad to get a film and I was absolutely amazed I could get colour pictures from it (laughs) I was so excited but yeah I used that for a little while so that was that was my very first film camera and now things have moved on a tiny little bit um from those brownie days you're (laughs) leaving the house right now what is going out with you camera and a lens you can only pick one lens well, you know what? That's that's a really tough question because, in all honesty, I always take out what I'm testing. So, like, if you'd asked me a few days ago, I would have said the Sony A7C. If you asked me yesterday, it would have been, uh, and it was the Panasonic um, S1R, which I was using with the 70 to 300 mil lens that they just introduced today. So, that's what I've been using. Um, and then, like a couple of days before that, I was probably using the Z7 II. So there is, it's really hard to say what I use consistently because I'm just continually switching. Have you got a personal kind of preference I've or got, system? I've got a cupboard down here which has got all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> cameras in it. I mean, I guess the question is, if somebody sends me an accessory to test, yep. um, I'd probably say, can you give me it in Sony mount? And what about lens? It depends what I'm doing. If, if, if I want to really kind of like relax, I might put on a lens baby. Maybe the, you know, okay. the new Spark. Oh, well. Yep. Yeah, because it's just, I find it a really good way of completely zoning out. You go out and you're just, you're forgetting about autofocus. You're kind of just going with the flow. I'll probably set it to manual and auto sensitivity and then you can just like, just shoot away and you just got to concentrate on the composition and kind of getting the focusing right. But it's it's, it's a bit different because you're kind of moving around and moving the lens. Obviously, having tested cameras myself, I know what 
you have to kind of go through in terms of making sure you've got this shot and you've got that shot and you've got all these other settings. So I guess it's probably almost like having a bit of time off, not having to, yeah. to concentrate too much. Or in the case of a lens, maybe you worry that anything is sharp or in focus <laughs> or anything. Maybe it's yeah. been a few years since I tested, tested one, I don't know. Maybe it is. But yeah, I think it's a bit like, you know, well, I never wore a tie to work, but it's a bit like taking your tie off at the end of the day, you know, just, oh, just relax and stop worrying about get everything right, you know, just... Have some fun. Okay. So you've got a Sony camera with a lens baby on it. What mm -hmm. other non-photographic items are in your camera bag and why, if it needs an explanation? Well, uh, the thing I tend to slip in, um, make sure it's always there, is a bin bag. Because okay. um, I take a lot of low-level shots and I don't like getting covered in mud, so I'll put that on the ground. You can crawl about. And, you know, if it's absolutely chucking it down, and if you're worried that the camera you're testing isn't waterproof, you can always wrap it in that just to keep it safe. So a bin bag, um, dog treats for Otto, yep. for Otto, yeah. And of course, if you've got a dog and you've got dog treats, then you've got to have little poo bags as well. Okay, yep. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> these answers are getting more surreal every single week, I swear. Um, that's, yeah, okay. Bin bag, though, we'll go with bin bag. That's actually uh, that's quite a useful one. I do similar, I often have a giant... Um, like one of those clear freezer bags just as oh, you yeah. can just quickly pop a hole in one end and then obviously it seals at the other end so you've got a quite easy makeshift kind of waterproof cover if ever you yep. need one so where are you going to take photographs what's your favorite place to take photographs and you can you can interpret that how you want <laughs> well the place i most want to go really at the moment is to the coast mm -hmm. but i live in oxfordshire so that's not really an option <laughs> right now um so, I mean, like everybody at the moment, most of my photography is done within about five mile radius of the house. And there's there's a tree that I, we tend to refer to as my tree um, because it's just, I just love photographing it. And I've photographed it with so many different cameras and different lights, different weathers. So I go there quite a lot. I really like that. It's one of those trees where the branches split and then they rejoin. Yeah. But if you, and it, it does that in a couple of places and it's just so weird. Um, so I like to go and photograph that on a regular basis. Given the choice to say I'd, I'd go to the coast or um, I really want to go back to Iceland. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough. Most photographers, yeah. landscape photographers list. There's always something new to go and just discover and the way the country changes throughout the seasons. I've never been in the summer, so I'd love to go and just obviously you can shoot almost for 24 hours. So yeah, I quite yeah. fancy that actually just not sleeping for 24 hours and see <laughs> how terrible my photographs get as I get more and more <laughs> tired or proceed to run out of Red Bull and coffee. And, um, okay, so you're going out. You've just got one bag because you've got your you've got your bin bag, you've got your Sony mm -hmm. camera and you've got your lens baby. But how many camera bags do you own in total? Well, there's a corner of my office where I kind of stash all the bags and I stack them up. Um, and... I wasn't, I was not going to count them, but I thought oh, I must have a bit of a stab at it. <laughs> so I got, I got to 20 Okay. and then I started measuring. And so it's, we're talking about like a cubic meter of baggage. Nice. Because I, I started measuring it and then I turned around and saw three more bags behind me. And then I remembered I got a couple in the house. So they're still in the house. So it's 20-ish. And I haven't counted Pelly cases. No, Pelly cases do not count. We um, we had this discussion with, with Joe um, in the last episode. Yeah, I heard that. So I didn't want to go out of bounds. Okay, that's the that's the basic stuff out of the way. Let's crack on with the 10 proper questions. What photographic 
technique do you wish that you'd have learned much earlier? This is quite a tough one. And the first thing that came to mind actually was, I don't know if you class it as a photographic technique because I was thinking about it. I've, I've always, I've used Photoshop from very early on, but I kind of wish that I was a bit more open to, to Lightroom because I really feel like I should have got into keywording. And I have had, <laughs> I have had times when I've sort of thought, right, there was a six month period where I thought, right, I'm only going to use Lightroom. And I forced myself to do it. And, I, you know, I kind of did a bit of keywording and stuff like that, but it just doesn't feel right. I'm just not comfortable with it. So I think I should have maybe tried a bit harder with that and just tried to get the keywording done. But is that a photographic? Yeah, no, that can count. Can count? Okay, yeah, cool. No, we can go with that. I recently did something similar whereby um, I think, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but that updated Lightroom so that you it could recognize faces and you could tag all the names in it and of course the first thing you do is turn that off because otherwise it searches every single image and it really cripples your system having that running in the background but I decided enough was enough let's let's do it and um yeah it was it was days of having it sort of running in the background whenever I was on the computer to search through 41,000 images looking for faces in each one and there's there's weddings in there and then of course it's picking up people in the backgrounds of shots when you've been doing street photography so you'll have all your friends and family on there and then of course there's just six random italians from where you sort of <laughs> once were out taking photos in rome that it picks up and then it suggests that that person is one of your friends and, and adverts as well in the background and stuff adverts i've even had a few statues as well that suggested there are a few <laughs> friends of mine apologies for the interruption but i've just got a little favor to ask if you're enjoying the podcast, really appreciate it. If you could hit subscribe, hit like, leave a review, wherever you download the podcast from, it is really going to help grow the podcast and help grow this community. So just thank you in advance for, for doing that. I really appreciate it. Anyway, back to the serious stuff. Mm -hmm. Your best photographic purchase. Well, again, if you'd asked me about a week ago, I probably would have said, Peak Design Slide Light, which is a, a strap, which is a bit yep. boring, but it is something I use or have used kind of every day for ages. And firstly, it still looks exactly the same. I had it when it since it first came out and it, it looks exactly the same as when I first got it. I love how easy it is to attach it and detach it, which I know it sounds like a really silly thing, but you know, it's got those anchor links and you just loop them through and then you can just click it off and on. Um, and if you're constantly changing cameras... That's really useful. But about, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago, I started using uh, Wondred's uh, sling strap and that's kind of stolen its place. Controversial. Mm. It's, it's really nice. It's, it's, again, it's, it's removability. Um, it does look smart, but it uses, instead of having the anchor things, it's got a little clip. So it probably takes yep. like a nanosecond longer to clip and unclip, but you take the whole thing off. You don't leave anchor links behind. So mm -hmm. if you're swapping between cameras, eventually you come to the point where, oh, I need to take the anchor links off that camera so I can put them on this camera. Yeah. You don't have to yep. do that. Interesting. I'm going to have to look that up because obviously you have the, the same problem when testing stuff. And I went with Peak Design just for that reason. And yeah. you've got a load of extra links so that you, you know, yep. just all the cameras have them on. You put, whenever you get a camera into test, put them on. And it just makes swapping stuff so much easier. It's, tr it's true. And it, but with your, if you're doing video, if you're recording, um, you know, you've got the mic on the top of the camera and it's a little bit breezy, you get the anchor links clacking. Yep. Don't want that. No. I mean, it's handy when you, the other way around, if you're taking long exposures with landscapes, being able to take the, take the strap off as well so it isn't flapping around in the, in the wind as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. 
What photo have you taken that means the most to you? Well, I've taken a few photos over my time and uh, there are some that I really like. There's some I'm proud of, but the one that always kind of pops into my head as being really important and it keeps, you know, immediately comes to mind is a picture that I took years ago um, as myself and my partner, John, with my mum and dad and our old Labrador that we used to have, uh, Dylan. And we're down in um, Cornwall at uh, Land's End. And it's it was one of those images where I think that Land's End was closed, but you could just walk around. And I don't know if you've been there, but there's a, a post where they've put signs and it says, you know, yep. New York, however, yep. and Land's, uh, what's John O'Groats the other way and this and that. And, the other. and we'd had a fantastic day. We'd been to the Minak Theatre just to check it out. We'd been walking and I was, I was looking for seals and we saw a basking shark and we just had a really, really nice day. And then I set up my tripod put the camera on it and we all sat under this post and it was beep, beep, beep. And the dog looked straight at the camera. And so we're all, all five of us just sat there sort of smiling and looking at the camera and it just, mum and dad have got a copy of it um, in their dining room and we've got a copy of it. You know, we actually printed it in a frame in our dining room. So I think that's the most important image to me. Isn't it amazing how you just told me a whole story based and you can remember every <laughs> yeah. single thing from that day. And there's always a bit of me that thinks I wonder what bits of that story or what bits of that day I would have forgotten if I didn't have that picture as a reminder because it takes you straight back, not just to standing there clicking the self-timer, having the dog look in the camera, but it takes you back to the basking shark and going to the Minak Theatre and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's really weird what goes on yeah. in our brains to, to sort of allocate memories to this kind of visual bit of paper that we have in front of us yeah and as you were saying that i was thinking oh yeah we also had an ice cream <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what flavor uh, i think it was vanilla and it had a flake in it but it was it's a scoopy bizarre, one it? it wasn't a you know it wasn't, oh, yeah. it wasn't a mr yeah, whippy yeah, was, it, when in cornwall that's what yeah. you have to get what has been your favorite photographic failure and what did you learn from it <laughs> this is quite easy because i do it quite often um it's self-timer failure and okay. i think the first time i did it really memorably um is sort of connected with the project I was going to talk about. And um, basically, I don't know, I set it to two seconds instead of 10, uh, but I didn't realise it. So basically, you've just got my backside running into the frame. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, I think it was probably one of my most popular pictures on Facebook. You know, you put it on and everybody likes it because it's just so yeah. funny. And what I learned was actually, sometimes those mistakes make the actual picture better because everyone's, you know, into the flow. So I've done it when I've got, gone on, uh, we had a She Clicks meetup up in uh, the Lake District. And I did that thing of looking, I set up the tripod. We were at Ashness Bridge and I set up the tripod on a rock and everyone was on the bridge. I thought, yeah, I can make it in 10 seconds. <laughs> and I think I had about five goes before I realised I could only get about halfway because it was all, you know, I was jumping from rock to rock. And of course, by the time I moved the camera, zoomed out a bit and re reorganised it, everybody was just laughing. So everyone's just got really big smiles and yeah. So I think it's good, but also it's quite good to let people see that you make mistakes as well. You know, by sharing those pictures, everybody has a laugh and you just seem a bit more human. So what have you stopped doing and why have you stopped doing it? Well, I like to think that I've stopped worrying so much about what people think of my pictures. Um, I think it's quite a key issue, isn't it? You know, with people, especially, I mean, you and I both worked at Amateur Photographer and you've got to try to have a certain level of photography in there and you're always trying to, have a range of pictures and stuff like that. And I've tried to just kind of relax and shoot the stuff that I want to shoot and experiment and enjoy things a bit more. 
So what has been your favourite photographic project? A while ago, I realised that uh, there were no photos of myself and my partner together. There was a lot of photographs of him looking vaguely bored, but there was none of us together. So I started this project where I basically, I took a tripod with me wherever we went and I took a camera and we actually set up a photograph while we were there. So there's like pictures of us at Blenheim Palace, so Blenheim's in the background and um, various walkways. So it might just be a, an ordinary walk or it might be like going to Offington to see the White Horse. And we actually started to kind of, that was built into the trip as well. So actually we started to dress a bit better <laughs> and make a little bit more effort. And it, it was just really nice to have the two of us kind of looking slightly posed in front of wherever we'd gone. So that that was that was really, really good. Um Going back a bit further, like my degree project, my honours project was um, about women in science. And that was, I didn't really think about it until years later when I started working on She Clicks, that um, what sort of drove me to do that was there weren't many women working in science and I really wanted to celebrate the women who were in science and I photographed them all standing in doorways. And I got to meet people like Judith Han and um, all sorts of other really eminent female scientists and then some people I worked with at the time and they were all just you know it was just a really nice thing to do that in that everybody really got it and they were really happy and there's nice generally quite smiley pictures you know some people said oh do I look serious or do I, look, do I smile I said well do what you want um, but generally smiling makes you look a bit more um, approachable so perhaps do that and most did. So I'm going to classify she clicks the community that you've set up actually as another photographic project. Um, there's probably quite a few people who aren't as familiar with it, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about the community, who it's for and what it's about? Okay. Yeah. So I started She Clicks as a Facebook group back in uh, August, 2018. And the idea was to create a space where female photographers or, a, you know, a, a group that pe female photographers could go to, share their pictures, ask questions, whether they were just starting out using a phone or whether they're experienced pros wanting some tips about, I don't know, marketing or pricing or something like that without feeling um, intimidated or getting shouted down. Because I don't know about you, but there's some Facebook groups you go to and somebody will ask a question about a lens and it's like they asked who they should murder first because <laughs> it's just a horrible place. And there are people who are really, really nice and they're probably, you know, they're probably leaving that group as soon as they see the comments. But it's, yeah, it's, it's quite an intimidating area to be in. And if you're sharing pictures, it gets a bit boring if you keep seeing the same bikini clad women, yeah. you know, and I think guys get bored of that as well. And you want to be able to share something else and say, you know, what do you think of my landscapes? Am I heading in the right direction? Um, and all, there's all sorts of creative photography as well. ICM going on, intentional camera movement and use of layers and textures and stuff like that. that you don't get seen don't see that very, that very often in magazines and stuff. And I just wanted women to find somewhere where they could share some of that and perhaps build up the confidence to start submitting it to magazines, um, understand how to get in magazines, all that kind of thing. No, it's really great. It's been lovely watching it from afar, like seeing just the huge numbers that you've managed to, to get in that community. And yeah, and some big name female photographers in there as well, I see, have joined and are contributing. Um, and also you're obviously doing workshops through that as well. Yeah, they're great fun, actually. It's really nice because um, what we do, we get um, 
a woman who's sort of in the industry or who's a photographer to present on a on a theme or a subject. And, um, you know, I host it and we get fantastic sign up. I mean, we, we had one, it was about creative flower photography and we had, I think the maximum we can have is 500. We had 495 people sign up for it. Wow. We had 400 actually in the meeting. So, or in the, the webinar. So there's a real demand for it. And of course it gets, it gets to the end where it's the Q and A and you're kind of thinking, well, I wonder how long this is going to take, <laughs> but it, it's, it's really nice. And then of course you see afterwards loads of po- f- photographs being posted on that theme. Yeah. So we had one a while ago by Tracy Calder, who does the close-up photography of the year. And suddenly you see loads and loads of macro photography. It's really nice. Very inspiring. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, if you are a female photographer, go and check out SheClick. I'll put all the links to the community in the show notes. So make sure you check them out. What is the worst bit of photographic advice you've ever heard? Well, uh, as a reviewer, which you are as well, it has to be when somebody suggests somebody else should buy the same camera as they've got whatever, regardless of their level of experience. So you've got someone who's, I don't know, who's got a 5D Mark IV and they're talking to someone who's saying, I'm going to buy my first camera. What should I mm. buy? This? oh, you want a 5D Mark IV. It's the best one. And you need a 2470 2.8 and blah, blah, blah. And it will, firstly, they're probably not wanting to invest that much money. But secondly, if they pick that camera up, they're just going to be horrendously intimidated by all those buttons and dials. And maybe you need to think a little bit more about the sort of camera that they might be willing to start out with. Because very few of us went out and bought a pro-level camera as our first camera. I mean, I said mine was a 15P Kodak Brownie. (laughs) What would you advise now in terms of what to look for? So somebody's going out and buying their first, let's say they're stepping up from a smartphone, the classic one, and they want to take things more seriously, in quotation marks. What would you suggest would be the most kind of important thing that they look for? These days, as a rule, I tend to recommend that they go for a, a mirrorless camera because I think when you've got the electronic viewfinder, it makes such a difference being able to see what you're going to get. So if you've accidentally put it in black and white mode or you've switched to black and white mode yesterday and you've forgotten when you pick it up, you see it. Um, and if the image is going to be underexposed or overexposed, you see that too. And you can, see, you know, you're not kind of looking through a view, an optical viewfinder and clicking away and they're looking at your pictures and I don't understand why these are black or why these are completely overexposed. But I would always ask somebody what sort of photography they want to do. And I think, I think that's one of the questions that people tend to get a bit irritated by when you go into a shop and they say, what do you want to photograph? Um, but it's an important part of the process, really, kind of trying to understand what the things are important to you. So if you want to be carrying a camera over a long distance, maybe you're actually wanting something quite compact, um, you know, might even be a compact camera without an interchangeable lens with a fixed lens. Things like whether you, whether touch control is important to you, whether you want a very angle screen, tilting screen, or whether there's something really, you know, if you're going to be shooting sport all the time, the chances are you're going to be looking through a viewfinder and you're not really worried about having a tilting screen or whatever. So it's just important to get those kind of decisions. Just think about those kind of things, really. What are you currently learning or what was the last thing that you've learned? During the first lockdown, I um, decided to increase the number of SheClicks webinars from they were roughly monthly to uh, what turned out to be weekly. And so there was a sudden acceleration in the learning experience of using Zoom and webinars. And we also suddenly everybody else seemed to catch up, uh, people who weren't 
you know, happy with uh, video conferencing and that kind of thing, suddenly started asking me where the Zoom link was. So rather than doing it through Facebook, um, we're doing it through Zoom. So I started using the the webinar service. So that was that's really useful. But from a more sort of photographic point of view, I've been learning more about video. I don't know, I really enjoy shooting video and I find editing it really, really absorbing. But uh, we spoke earlier about being uh, reviewers and you kind of, you get buttoned down and you're kind of trying to test what a camera does and can it do things accurately. But sometimes I think what's more interesting with video is actually trying to capture the mood and or create mood. And that's where the, the grading comes in. And I think trying to think beyond, oh, I know, I'll go with orange and teal. <laughs> yep. Do something a bit different. Um, and, th- and that's kind of, I'm still trying to get my head around that. I mean, I know the mechanics of it. It's more the kind of the decision-making process. We, I shot a video for a local cafe to try and help them um, as we were coming out of one of the lockdowns. I forget which one it was. Um, and you kind of try to think, well, what's an appropriate style for this? And we kept it fairly simple, to be honest. But then there's another cafe we've been promising to do one for months and they're a bit bit sort of younger so we're trying to think of doing something a bit funky but we're not trying to make it look like some sort of i don't know crack den you know we want to, we want to <laughs> is that what the kids do these days they're <laughs> yeah, in the they coffee shop they're funky they're funky drink the milky dens. coffees <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean i also when you um something damien said a couple of weeks back which was kind of like you find in video it's all exactly the same as what we're doing in photography, obviously, except for moving images. They just change the name of everything. So, like, <laughs> yeah. you start to you go on to like the color grading panel in Premiere, or don't get me started on DaVinci Resolve. I haven't got a clue <laughs> about all those little modules, and I just I'm just like, no, just. Mm. But you go into Premiere and kind of like I'm familiar with these kind of the premise of these color sliders and what they're doing, but why are they why are they split into three different sections and there's. Yeah. It, yeah, it's um, it gets quite mind-boggling, and that's that's like you say before you've even started any kind of creativity and uh, worked out exactly what you want to do. And I find often I'll end up editing a video so that it look I want it to look like some of my stills, and it just doesn't work. You can't bump yeah. the saturation up, and you can't bump the local contrast up. It just looks it just looks ridiculous, and. Um, yeah, I generally just try these days just to get it right in camera because you know those guys have created a setting for <laughs> that reason because you don't know yeah. what you're doing. And um, yeah, then just a little tweak of the contrast or whatever. But it's nice to play around. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and, and try and create something a bit different. And again, that's something that um, I've done, you know, it, where we sort of moved on from photographing John and I together at things. I started videoing a day out so I started with a little Osmo pocket and then yeah. you sort of think oh well you know before you know it I've got a Crane 2S <laughs> and a <laughs> I realised I walked around with something like two and a half no I don't know three kilograms of oh, I took on a five mile walk you said anything I thought my arms felt a bit sore yeah. you know but you want to get this you get more and more ambitious don't you you want to get that stable shot and do the spin around and all that kind of thing so who or what has been the biggest influence on your photography I've decided I'm a bit of a sponge, actually. I think it changes depending on what's happened. So there was a phase when um, Annie Leibovitz was quite a big influence on me. Um, and I think that and that was very much connected with the project I mentioned with the photographing women in science, because she yeah. did a lot of books photographing women and created some amazing images. But actually, I don't shoot a huge number of, well, I shoot very few portraits these days. And 
I tend to get really inspired by things that I've just encountered. So a week or so ago, I spoke to a photographer called um, Lorenz Holder, who is a a sports photographer, but he doesn't do that classic kind of in tight shots. He does much kind of more epic shots. So in some cases, the, the um, he tends to do a lot of snowboarding. The snowboard is really small in the frame, but they're, you know, and he's, he's got a massive, great um, satellite dish. And it's just a sense of real sense of scale and drama. And he shoots a lot at night using flash so that they he might create a silhouette or he injects color. And I found that really inspiring because in some ways, his images look really stripped down and simple, but obviously there's a lot more going on in there. Yeah. Interesting one. I wasn't expecting you to pick a, a sort of sports photographer. Well, that's a new one. I mean, actually, I, I like shooting sport, but I mean, it's just his take was different. Yeah. And I, that really inspired me. Also, it consi- coincided with I got the um, Profoto A10 in to test. And so I'd got in the habit of just shoving it in my pocket and going out because um, just, get a little bit of light and, you know, try and darken the background a little bit, try and mm-hmm. basically take more epic looking shots of Otto. Um, <laughs> and it was, it's great fun. And it, I was, so I was sort of starting to think, oh, I want to do a bit more flash photography again. And then I saw this guy's work and I thought, oh yeah, that's, that's amazing. I probably won't be shooting snowboarders to be honest in South Oxfordshire, but it's, it's kind of inspired me to think about using flash in a slightly different way. Does Otto have his own Instagram account? Of course he does. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well, obviously. Excellent. So we can see some of these uh, flash images <laughs> at work. Um, so the final question, after the last couple of weeks of um, saying it, I'm actually going to rephrase it. So rather <laughs> than why do you keep taking photos, which has created a laugh as if I'm sort of saying, you know, why bother? And why it's bother? now is what is your motivation to keep taking photographs? I still think I could get better. I still think that, you know, that, I think that's why I keep going back to that tree because I still think that there's probably an angle or a lighting condition um, that I could get better shots in. So I've been taking the flash that I was talking about. I've been taking that there. And I haven't quite cracked it yet. But yeah, it's that desire to, to get a bit better and to create a more epic picture or something that I want to put on the wall. But of course, as soon as you do that, you want to get better than that, don't you? I was. I remember years ago talking to um, a wildlife photographer, and he said when he sees a new species, he allows himself. I think it was two photos, um, because everybody wants to record it. But then he tries to do something a bit different. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's a really good take on things. You know, it's like when you go to Rome, you want to get all those classic shots, but then maybe you want to get something a bit different as well because they're new to you. You might be able to buy a postcard with them on, taken in better lighting, but it's a new scene to you. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Is there a time when you know you've got a photo? Do you ever think, yep, that's it, I'm done now. I don't need to photograph that subject again. I, I, can't, I can't see that happening, to be honest. No, no I think it's unlikely. Because it's, it's that thing where you keep going, isn't it? With, you know, when you do painting with light and you mm-hmm. think, well, I'll just do this for an hour. Oh, and good, then yeah. like four yeah. hours later, you think, oh, the batteries have gone. That's it. <laughs> you know? Basically, you keep shooting until you run out of batteries and that's yeah. when you know it's time to call it a night, basically. Yeah, done that quite a few times. <laughs> and the worst is long exposures, you know, because they're getting longer and longer and longer and then you mm-hmm. sort of think, well, I'll just do one more because that wave might do that or whatever. And it's because it's variable. You just keep going and going. So I think it's unlikely, to be honest. I'll, I'll just keep doing it. I think that's the perfect place to end it. Not because one, that was a nice sentence, and two, that was the last question. So (laughs) I'm all all out of questions now. Angela, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. 
No, it's been great. Thanks very much, Rich. Really good to see you. And that's it. We've done another episode. If you liked it, then please hit subscribe. And of course, we will be back very soon with the next episode. Thanks for listening.